I'm not Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff uh, is uh, older than me. And no, wait a minute. Maybe I'm older than Pastor Jeff. But uh, I enjoy being in the house of the Lord as much as he does. And I enjoy the opportunity to share with you today from Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. And. Uh, while you're turning there, I'll let you know that Pastor Jeff's supposed to be on vacation, uh, but uh, he may be, he may not be. Uh, Katie's grandfather, uh, the family was called in by hospice last night, and so uh, he's very close to uh, going on to glory. Uh, those of you that don't know, Katie's grandfather was a preacher, a minister of the gospel, uh, and so he is looking forward to being with Jesus. Uh, at this time. So you pray for that, all of the family. Uh, I think he was also influential in Jeff's life. Uh, Jeff was licensed to preach in his church, uh, the grandfather's church, and so you'll want to lift them up and remember them in prayer during this time. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version this morning. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. Many were gathered together, so there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug out an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. I want to invite you this morning to have church with Jesus. Uh, we've had Sunday school with each other already today and with His Word, but uh, I want you just to have church with Jesus. You, you know the number one reason, and I know you don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The number one reason people start coming to church. Some, somebody want to know? Well, I, for me, it was cute girls, but I mean, it could be different for everybody else. There are a lot of different reasons, but the number one reason people come to church is because somebody invited them. Somebody asked them to come. Now, people come to church, but do you know the number one reason people stay in church? I wish it was great preaching. I wish it was any kind of preaching, actually. But it's not. It's not preaching. It's the music. Actually, no, it's not even the music. The number one reason that we... You and I come and stay in church 
is because we make a connection with somebody else at church. You get a friend. You get a friend. That's why, what, what, you know what happened this morning? I don't know exactly, because I didn't hear a lot of people do it, but I, but I heard it during the week. I heard it on Wednesday night. I heard it last week as, as there was a, a, sign, a sheet that was showing people what class they were in and stuff. People said, uh, what class are you in? Are you in my class? Am I, I, oh, man, I'm not in your class. I wanted to be in your class. We wanted to go to the class that our friends were going to. We wanted to be in the class where our friends were. We have a special event at church, and, and the youth always do this. They call up each other, and they say, are you going? Well, I don't know. Are you going? Well, I'll go if you'll go. Hey, if, if, if one person goes, then you're likely to get a whole bunch of them. But if, if that one person doesn't go, then everybody else says no because somebody said no to start with. It, it's friendships that, that keep us coming to church. And, of course, we all know it really ought to just be Jesus, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it just be Jesus? Shouldn't, shouldn't having church with Jesus be enough? Because, you see, having church with Jesus is an eye-opening experience. Have you ever been in a church service where Jesus showed up? I, I know many of you have. I know I have. And, and what happened was the same thing that happened in Mark. Right, right there, Mark 2, 12, if you look at it on your sermon sheet, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You know, all over the country, their churches merge and split. All over the country. Because, you see, what God has been doing here so far, people say, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything where things seem to have gone so smoothly so far. We, we have an opportunity to be a part of, of something where Jesus does church among us. And it becomes something that causes everybody else to take a look and to glorify God and to praise Him in the process. But in looking at this story, and I love this story, I've preached from this passage of Scripture many, many times. I've looked at what Jesus did to the paralyzed man. I've looked at the, at the, at the men who, who brought him and, and preached on them a number of different ways. But, but today, I, I, just, I, want, I want us to be in the story. I, I like to put myself into things. Like when we sing, I put myself in the song. I, I pictured myself, when we sang, I pictured myself running into the arms of Jesus. I pictured him wrapping his arms around me. And you know what? I started when I came up here to trip on the steps on purpose and see if anybody would come help me up. Because most of the time when I'm running to Jesus, I'm really just kind of stumbling. I'm stumbling along because I, 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 I stumble a lot on the way to Jesus because he is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect, and, and I am not. Where are you in this story? This wonderful story. I love the stories of Mark. They're short. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a short sermon. But it's a short story, so there's hope. There's a possibility and an opportunity here. But where do you fit in this story? If you put yourself in this story that I just read to you. And we're going to have church with Jesus. We're going to ask Him to let us have an eye-opening experience today. Because that's what they had. Their eyes were open to who Jesus was. 
And, and I want that to happen for you. I want that to happen for me today. I want to experience it as much as I want you to experience it. And, and, and there, there are four really groups in this story. And I wonder if you can see yourself in one of those groups or maybe in all of those groups. You know, the first group is the crowd. Can you see yourself in the crowd? Jesus has come into town. He's come back to headquarters. That's Capernaum was the headquarters of Jesus. He's come back to Capernaum and he's gone to this house and he's going to have church. He's going to open the Word of God and he's going to speak to the people and he's going to teach the people. And his teaching is amazing teaching, not like anybody else had done, not like any of the other rabbis, not like any of the Pharisees or the scribes, not like any of the priests. He's going to teach like the Son of God because that's who he was. And people said that his teaching was not like anybody else's. That his teaching was had a power that no other teaching had. And so he, he, he comes to church. And, and when he has church, it says, And many were gathered together in Mark 2.2. 2. Many were gathered together. There was no longer any room, not even near the door. Some of you had crowded Sunday school class this morning. Because we had you in those little cubicles and, and the chairs and, 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 and some of them you felt like there was no room because it wasn't like what you were used to maybe. But, but this is the way it is. When Jesus comes to church, there is no room. When Jesus shows up on a regular basis, people come, crowds come. There's always a crowd wherever Jesus is. If he's on the side of the mountain, the crowd follows him. If he's in a house in Capernaum, the crowd shows up because they've heard of all the amazing things he's done. They've heard of his healing power. They've heard of his great teaching. They've heard of those who were blind that can now see. There's always a crowd wherever Jesus is. And, and maybe if we don't have a crowd at church, it's because we're not lifting Jesus up enough. Maybe it's because we're not letting Jesus show up in us. Maybe it's because it's so easy to fit in the crowd. Everybody starts out in the crowd. Picture yourself in the crowd. You're there. Jesus is teaching. Why are you there? Is it curiosity? You just want to see what's happening? Are you, are you because you're seeking help for something? Are, are you looking to, to make a date with some other girl that's there? Are you, are you looking to build a friendship? Are you looking to make your business better? We, we like crowds. We have to be with crowds. We almost want to start with crowds. We, we move closer to Jesus when we're in a crowd than when we're alone because we, we get afraid, so we have to be with the crowd. And we ought to be with the crowd. Hebrews tells us in 10.25, not the forsaking of the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, he says, we need to be together. We have to be together. We want to come together. We want to be a part of the crowd, but we want to be a part of the crowd because we're seeking Jesus, not just because we're there. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd. Hey, these four boys, four men, they've got a friend who's paralyzed. They've got a friend who needs help. They've got a friend who needs healing. They've got a friend who needs a touch from, from this Son of God, this Savior, this Redeemer, this Son of David. And, and so in the process of... Uh, uh, of hearing about Jesus being in town, they go to the paralyzed guy and they say, hey, look, we want to take you to Jesus. Maybe he can do something for you. Maybe he can help you. Nobody's been able to help him. We don't know how long he'd been paralyzed. 
We don't know how long he'd been sitting in his house. We know he couldn't get around by himself. He had to have somebody carry him. They had to carry him on the pallet. It took four of them because I think each one got a corner. And so now they're carrying him to Jesus. But when they get there, they're late. Some of you showed up late to Sunday school and had a hard time finding a seat, didn't you? Especially now with Palmerdale people and Hilldale people, who are all Palmerdale people now. But, you know, you show up late, you may not get the normal place where you sit in church because, you know, we've, we've all sat in that normal place. People who get the back row, they pay extra, and they don't deserve it right there, you know. They, they come early and get their spots, and, and that's what you have to do. But these four guys showed up late with the paralyzed guy. They couldn't get in. They couldn't get in the door. They couldn't, you know, they, I'm sure they said, hey, can't, hey let, let us through. We got to sit, hey, 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 you were late. You didn't do your own thing. And so those houses, they, they were made out of mud, and they had these flat roofs, and, and they had steps up to the roof. And, and so this particular day, they took those steps up to the roof, and they took him up on the roof because there was no room for them because of the crowd that was there, because of the crowd. Mark 2, 4 says, being unable to get to him because of the crowd. Now, there's a bad thing about a crowd, too. Sometimes the crowd can actually keep people away from Jesus. That's when it's not good to be a part of that crowd. The crowd can keep people away from Jesus. Sometimes it's a good crowd. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a church crowd that keeps people away from Jesus. Sometimes because we aren't open. Sometimes because we're closed up. Sometimes because we want it our way and it's not going to be any other way if we can't have it our way. And so we push people away and they may just not come back. Because of the crowd. Because of the attitude, because we focus on ourselves and, and exclude others. Have you ever been blocked on your way to Jesus? Maybe by something you did, something in your past, something you were afraid of, something somebody said, something you missed, something that you thought you, you got left out of from what the crowd was doing. And so you said, I'm not coming back because... I have my feelings hurt. The crowd has a, has a problem with sinners sometimes, with people who are different than we are, from people who don't look like us, don't smell like us, don't talk like us. Sometimes we have such a problem that we don't intentionally do it, but, but we love each other so much, we crowd out the other people. You know how many people may have passed that paralytic on the road? He may have been out begging. He may have been at home. You know how many people passed his house? I, I don't know, but, but the crowd was going to church where Jesus was, and, and a lot of them left him there, not caring for him, not concerned about him, not willing to ask him or bring him because it was going to take a little work. They never saw the possibility of the miracle. And that brings us to the second question. Can you see yourself as a one of the four men? Can you picture yourself as being one of those guys? Now, they did some wild stuff. I mean, they took him up on the roof. They dug a hole in the roof. Whose roof was it? I don't know. 
But it didn't sound like it was theirs because the scripture just said there were some men. And there were these four men, these, these guys. Now, I tell you what I think right away. I do not think they were adults. Because adults just don't do that kind of stuff, do we? We know better than that. You don't go digging a hole in somebody else's roof. My goodness. You don't go interrupt in the middle of the worship service. I mean, we, we don't interrupt the middle of the worship service. No. You know, not unless Jesus is having church. I remember being in some worship. I was in a worship service, and a lady right over here, sitting about where you are. I said, you need to know Jesus. You need to have Jesus in your heart. And I, I was just at point two. I had, I had two more points. And she stood up. Elizabeth. She stood up and she said, I need Jesus. Everybody in church looked at her. Then they looked at me. Standing up in the middle of the service. Interrupting the service. What are we going to do with her? I said, my minister of music. I mean, nobody got up and moved. Nobody went. I looked, you know, nobody knew what to do. So I looked at my minister of music. I said, sing. And I went and got Elizabeth, took her to the office and led her to Christ. Brought her back out and said, Elizabeth has Jesus now. Let's continue the sermon. We adults don't usually do that kind of stuff. So I, I think the four men were probably teenagers. Teenagers do that kind of stuff. They don't care. It's a hose. Some, not my roof. Not daddy's roof. Hey, we'll be all right. We got to get our friend to Jesus because he's going to heal him. That's the kind of stuff that young people do. That's the kind of stuff that you did when you first came to know Christ and felt his power flowing through you and the excitement through you. You were willing to take a risk. You were willing to be an innovator. You were willing to do something different. That's what we're doing as a church right now. We're doing stuff different. Can you see yourself as one of those four people who would do something different in order to carry their friend to Jesus? In order to make a difference in his life? In order to bring him to something? They weren't sure. They didn't know for sure, but, but there they were. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. They're workers. They're willing to work. They're, they're willing to take that risk. They're, they're willing to innovate. They're willing to get up on the roof, remove it, dig a hole. They're willing to interrupt the worship service, to, to drop him down, lower the pallet in the middle of the service. Wow. Unbelievable. That question. Never been done before. I don't know if it's ever been done again. Any of you ever heard of somebody tearing the roof off church and lowering somebody down in front of the middle because it was too? I haven't. It's just one time. Now, now we Baptists, here's what we would have done. I mean, you know it's been done one time and Jesus, it worked one time. So, hey, hey that's what we're going to do. We're going to start a new church and we're going to call it the, the church of the hole in the ceiling. We're going to start a new church, and we're going to call it uh, the, the church of the, of, of the pallet. We're going, to, we're going to do something around there and try to do it again and again and again the same way. 
But when Jesus is in charge, he does it all kinds of ways. And he works in people's life. He works in your life different than he works in my life. He works in your life different than he works in their life. And he's always working. He's always moving. But it takes some four men. It takes some people in the church who will work. It takes some people in the church who will risk. Because that risk is all based on faith. Unbelievable faith to bring somebody to Jesus. To get them connected. Now, here's what's so special about this story. At least it, it, it seems to be to me. Jesus did something he had never done before. He looked up. Now, here's the guy, paralyzed guys right here. But he looked up. And, wh and what's up there besides the hole? Four men. And what do you think they're doing? What's going to happen? Let's see. Let's see. What's he going to do? Are we in trouble? I don't know what's going to happen. And here's the neat thing. Jesus looked up and he saw their faith. Didn't say he saw this, his faith. He said he saw their faith. And, and I always thought he looked at their faces and saw their hearts connected to their faces. See, that, that's another thing that tells you they weren't, they weren't Baptists. Because we don't ever connect our faces with anything. I mean, we're singing up there, singing about running to Jesus, how happy we are. Running, I'm running to Jesus. His, I'm going into his arms. Uh, holy, holy, holy. You are righteous, righteous, right. You know, we don't, I know you're feeling it in your heart. I know you are. But tell your face. Tell your face. But he looked up and saw them. And I always thought he saw their faces. But maybe they were Baptists and he couldn't tell. But he saw four ropes. He saw a hole. And he saw the man. And he said, their faith. I'm going to do what this guy really needs. He didn't know what he needed. He thought he needed to be healed. He thought he needed to be able to walk again. That wasn't really what he needed. That wasn't the most important thing in his life. The most important thing in his life was spiritual healing. The most important thing in his life was to have his sins wiped away. His sins forgiven. Most of us who are here today have been what we call saved, delivered, rescued. We say we know Jesus. And the very first thing that Jesus did for you was to wipe the slate clean. The very first thing Jesus did. But, but what happened to me? As a 16-year-old boy, I had done some things. And I've told mother has moved up here and joined. Because I still don't, I don't tell mom. I felt the sins off my shoulders. I felt different in my, I, I literally felt, know exactly what I'm about. Wonderful thing, because of their sins are, do you know, in the scripture, in the scripture, stories that we have where Jesus forgave sins. You see, physical needs get in the way, so gets in the way of what we really need from God. But in this case, because of their faith, his sins were forgiven. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
Could you see yourself as one of those four men? Could you see yourself in that place? God using you to impact another life and lead to their spiritual healing. We need to be there. Having church with Jesus means opening our eyes to understand the work that He wants us to do. Can you see yourself in the scribes? Can you see yourself in the scribes? You see, there were these religious leaders that were there. They came to church. They're the religious leaders. They're the guys who are used to being in charge. They're the guys who are used to being in the spotlight. Can you see yourself in those scribes? The religious leaders of the day, these were God's green beret. These were God's Navy seals of that day. Spiritually speaking, religiously speaking. I, I, they recorded the scriptures for everybody else. They kept up with them. They made interpretations. If it wasn't clear, they made little notes on the outside in the scriptures for people to be able to see and to know when they opened the scrolls and they read them. They even, as we found out later, some of them later on, if they didn't like what the, the scripture said, they, they adjusted it a little bit to fit in with what they believed. The good thing is that we're able to see that in the scrolls and tell that they were added things. But here were some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you see it? They missed Jesus. They were in church where Jesus was having church and their eyes were closed. They missed him. They didn't see him. You ever come to church and miss Jesus? You ever come to church and go home and say, well, that was pretty much a waste of time today. You know who was here today? Jesus was here today. He is here. Dr. John Olin Strange was my Hebrew professor. He was 70 years old, teaching Hebrew, going strong, encouraging people in Jesus. And this was a long time ago that I was in seminary. But some things you'd never forget. It was time, chapel time. Every day except Friday on the Yordas Baptist Theological Seminary campus, we had chapel. And when they had chapel, they had special speakers in. Sometimes a professor preached. Sometimes a president preached. Sometimes, occasionally, they have a student preach. Uh, they always had at least one student a year at the end of the year of, of, of chapel, end of the chapel year. They'd, they'd have a student that we all voted on and said, we want to hear from this guy. And, but, but across the street from seminary, there was a Dunkin' Donuts. And if you go to class from... 8 o'clock to 9.50. And then you have chapel from 10 until 11. And then you go to class from 11 till 12.30. You get hungry in between. And during chapel, the cafeteria is closed. During chapel, the bookstore is closed. During chapel, 
They want you to go to chapel. So everything's closed. The library is closed. But Dunkin' Donuts is open. And there are a lot of seminary students worshipped at Dunkin' Donuts during chapel. And so I'm walking out of the classroom. I'm, I'm a little late and I've gotten my books together and I'm walking out. And Dr. Strange is walking out at the same time. And we're walking down the hallway. I can see it as clear as day. We walk down the hallway and, and there's a big hallway, entranceway kind of thing for that building. You turn left and you walk right down the walkway and you walk all the way to the chapel. You turn right, you go out the double doors, straight across the street is Dunkin' Donuts. And so as we get to that place, I stop, Dr. Strange, never should have done it, but I did it. Dr. Strange, who's in chapel today? Do you know who's in chapel? See, they always put out a little information thing and you could see who was in chapel and I had not picked one up. So I asked him, who's in chapel today? He looked at me. He grabbed his chin. In the wisdom of a true man of God, because he was. He said, let's see, today, today, I can still see the sparkle in his eyes because he knew he had me. He said, today, I think it's Jesus that's going to be in chapel. You want to go sit with me? I said, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> yes, sir, I do. And I went to chapel and sat with all the professors. They all sat in one little section. And I walked right down there with Dr. Strange, and I sat with all the professors because I wanted to be in chapel with Jesus. Doesn't matter how bad the music is. Doesn't matter how bad the sermon is. Doesn't matter if anybody speaks to you or not. Jesus has said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's here. And the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, golly, that's me. Sometimes we miss Jesus. What a sad thing it is that they were there. What a sad thing that they knew about all the miracles that Jesus had performed. They knew about the power of His teaching and how it was not like their own. It was with authority. And they missed it. They rejected it. They pushed it away. And instead, they went to judging they analyzed too much. They reasoned faith right out of their lives or else they didn't want to surrender their position, thought they would give up their spotlight. And the result of their attitude was doubt, a lack of faith, and it produced judgment. Almost all the time when we start judging people it's because we don't have enough faith that God can change them. So we judge. We say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, they shouldn't dress that way. They shouldn't look that way. They shouldn't talk that way. They shouldn't be like that. I want to tell you, there is no shouldn't be if a person is lost. Because you shouldn't be surprised when lost people live like lost people. I'm not surprised. Do you know what they're doing? Well, no, I don't know what it is, but it's not going to bother me. I mean, you know, they're lost. Now, when believers live like lost people, then that's painful. Then it hurts. Then it does damage. Then we're back to being in the crowd. 
and going along with everybody else. But, but don't fall into the position of, of this judgment of this holier-than-thou pharisaical scribe looking down on people. The result of their attitude is that they have limited Christ's ability. Do you remember when he went to Nazareth, when he went to his own hometown? Do you remember what it says in John? He did not many miracles there because of their... This, when, when I do like this and all this kind of stuff, that means you got the answer. You know that one, don't you? Because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faith. He said, I'm limited. I can't do many miracles here because they only see me as a boy. They can't see me as God's son. They can't see me as the redeemer of the Savior. Have you ever limited his ability? If you have, you've probably been a scribe or a Pharisee. If you've ever limited the ability of God, if you've ever said, He can't do that. Nancy spoke up. She was a college student in a Bible study I was teaching. And she spoke up. We were studying the book of 1 John. And in the book of 1 John, it says, if you can't love the brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you haven't seen? In there it says that love for the brother is one of the signs of our being Christians. And she said, what many people think and live. I don't care what it says, I'm not doing that. She had a problem with somebody, she couldn't forgive them. And she said, I don't care what it says. They don't deserve forgiveness and I'm not forgiven. I don't care what it says. That's what the scribes do. And that limits God's ability to work in your life. And if you're a part of our church, it limits God's ability to work in my family, in my church family. Because the Bible tells us forgiveness is paramount. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. Paul's words to the Ephesians. I know God can do great things, but not this. This is too big. It's too hard. Do you see yourself in the scribes? How about one more group? One more group. And in the story, it's just one person, but it's a group. Can you see yourself in the paralytic? Can you see yourself in the place of great need? He had a great physical need. He was paralyzed. He'd probably given up hope long ago. But his greater need was spiritual. We don't always recognize our spiritual need because of the physical problems and the financial problems and the family relational problems and all the problems that we deal with every single day. But, but he received the healing that came his way. He didn't reject it. A lot of people reject it with that unbelief. But he expressed his own faith. He walked out in front of them all. That's, that's what it says. Read Mark 2.12 with me. It's there on your sermon sheet or uh, on, on the board. He, he, this is New International Version. He got up. This, when I say read it out loud with me, that's where I say it. And at the same time I say it, you say it with me. Let's say it together. 
He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. He'd already had his sins forgiven because of their faith. But now Jesus gave him an opportunity to express his own faith. And he said, because of you Pharisees, because of you scribes, because of you judgmental, hypocritical religious leaders, his sins are forgiven. I have the power to do that, but so you'll know I do. I'm going to do what you need to see. Get up, take up your pallet, and go home. Now, usually the preacher doesn't tell people to go home. So I'm not telling you to go home yet. But that's what he said. And when he said it, that's what the paralytic did. He accepted the healing. He accepted the power of God into his life. And here's what I know. I know that if, if you have a spiritual need, if you have a physical need, that God loves you, that He cares about you, that He wants to work in your life and He wants to meet that need. Now, He doesn't always meet it exactly like we want it, but He always meets it exactly like it's best for us. Sometimes, you need to let somebody help you. Sometimes, some of those things you're struggling with, you keep to yourself. And as long as you've got a spiritual secret, as long as you've got a secret sin, you haven't confessed to God and maybe to one other person that you trust to be godly and holy and understanding and affirming of the forgiveness of God to you. As long as you've got that secret sin in your life, you're going to be hampered. You're going to be limited. You're going to be hurt. You'll never be free to be what Jesus wants you to be. And He just wants to say to you, get up. Take up your pallet. Walk out in front of everybody so everybody can see the power of God in your life and go on about your daily business. That's almost what Jesus always told those whom he healed. Yeah, go back to your family. Go back to your home. Go back to the ten cities, he told the demoniac who was healed in chapter 5 of Mark. Go on back, or chapter 10, chapter 5. Go on back. Go on back. And when you go back, go back whole. Go back free. Go back healed of your sins. Go back forgiven. Go back walking in the power of God Almighty. That's what He wants to do for you and me today. Now, I can see myself in all four groups. But how you see yourself will depend upon the blessing and the benefit that comes your way today. I want us to all come worship here. And then I want us to leave amazed, amazed at the power of what God has done in our lives. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what He can do today 
is he can forgive your sins and redeem you and set you free to walk in his power. If you've got sin in your life and you need to confess it to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do it in the pew. You can do it on the steps as an altar on the front pew here. You can share it with, with me. Pastor Donnie, I'm going to ask him to come stand at the front with me here at the end. And we'd love to pray with you and affirm God's forgiveness for you. If you need a church home, our arms are open to you today. If you need a family of faith, we're willing to receive you as a part of our family if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we're going to sing a hymn, a chorus. It's entitled, I Will Never Be the Same. And that paralyzed man, I bet he was never, ever the same again. You know those four guys? I bet they were never, ever the same again. That's my prayer for me and for you. Because when you have church with Jesus, it is an eye-opening experience. So no matter where you see yourself, respond to God's call on your life today. Let's stand together. Let's sing.